Well, good evening, everyone. It is Wednesday, and today is the 18th of, what's the month? November 2020. Yeah, it's been a long year, okay. <laughs> uh, welcome to Kingdom Conversations, where we are going to have supernatural or prophetic and supernatural encounters with the Word of God and with the author of the, uh, of the printed Word that we call the Bible, which is the Holy Spirit. And so we thank you so much for joining us tonight. I am Pastor Lindsay Lee coming to you live from 1914 Trade Zone Boulevard in San Jose, California. You are joining us while we are on the, those few of us that are here, on the premises of Astounding Love of Global Church Fellowship and also the headquarters of More Than Enough Ministries. You know, I say this stuff a lot and sometimes it flows really well, other times you kind of ask yourself, do you even know what you're saying? So tonight's one of those nights, there's a lot to talk about. And I had a great conversation about the kingdom today and took really great notes, which are sitting on my desk at home. So, so I kind of pulled together a couple of things because I think it's a conversation worth having. And so I want to thank you all for joining us. Let's talk to my favorite conversationalist, who is the Holy Spirit, and he is the one that will lead us tonight. I want to thank everybody that's present with us here. I want to thank the crew that's in the back and behind the camera and all of the rest and the ones that are taking very good notes and looking very studious in their seats. And I want to thank all of you also for joining us online and all the fun stuff that we have. I am, uh, you can, for those of you that have comments or questions, you can text uh, Judge Connie tonight, those of you that know her. And uh, she would be the one that would relay conversations. Also, what else? I'm trying to take care of all the business before we get to this. That should pretty much do it, I think. Um, that's Yeah, that's it. If there's anything else, we'll remember it uh, when, when it's necessary. But for now, I think we've covered enough of the particulars. So, Father, we do come before you tonight in the name of Yeshua. And we praise you and thank you for wonderful encounters and opportunities to be in your presence. I thank you for the entrance of your word that brings light, for health, for healing, for the soothing restfulness that comes from your spirit. And I thank you that in the midst of all turmoil and, and things that go on in this world, you are on the throne and you will not be moved. That you really are God and we can trust you. And I thank you, Lord, for the individuals that are watching us tonight, that are in this conversation tonight. There are some areas that are sensitive for them, places where they're wounded or hurting. And however you want to speak through us, to be able to touch them in those places for healing, for wholeness, for wellness, for recovery, for restoration, for alignment, whatever the term happens to be, that which you have for us. I thank you for your love that flows out of us and your joy. Oh God, I thank you so much that there is not a problem anybody has on this earth that you don't have a word for and a conversation that they can attend to with you. And everything really will be all right. Even when things aren't going well, everything can be all right. And I trust you for that. I trust you with my life. And I trust you with the lives of those that I love. And I trust you 
with the United States of America. For what it's worth, Father, I just want that out there to you too, Jesus, and you, Holy Spirit. I trust you. I believe you. I am so grateful to be a part of what who you are and what you want done in the earth. And I lift up that before you tonight as gratitude, thanksgiving, praise, worship, submission. And I just want to say hi. I love you. And thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What am I thanking you for? You. I'm thanking you for you. Thank you, sir. For it all. Now we'll go with you where you want to go in this conversation. And I have great expectation that at the end of the hour and 30 minutes or whatever it is we do, there will be a lot of lives that are changed. It's a guarantee when you're involved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know that's really so. I listened to an encouraging word from a prophet um, online today. And he was speaking those same words, and he was talking, I, I will probably send it to Crystal later and have it sent out, but it's just something that came across my um, face, if you will. It came, it came to my attention early this morning at a time when I typically don't even look for stuff like that. But I was settling on, I think, some, just some things that, that the, the Spirit of the Lord was saying. And it ministered to me on levels that I just, I love the way that God treats us. And I love the way that he leads us into places with him that we didn't expect to go. So what I want to do is I'm going to share a couple of notes with you all. Some things that were, uh, apparently I didn't send them to myself, but that's okay. Some things that he has kind of nudged my attention. And I had um, one of my weekly Bible studies, one of my um, Bible study friends who is one of our members. And so we were sharing um, with regard to uh, how things are, situations, forgive me just a second, I, I am a little, I'm distracting myself here, but I do need to get this here for me to see, okay. There we go. All right. We were talking about the Word of God and the difference between listening in the flesh and listening in the Spirit. And uh, we have talked about that a bit here and there in the services. But the scriptures that tell us um, not to walk, uh, to walk in the Spirit and not be led by the flesh, not to, not to fulfill the lust of the flesh, that's a, an important one. So let's let's start with that as our scriptural foundation. This is where the conversation is going to go, or part of where the conversation is going to go. First of all, uh, there's a couple of different scriptures that talk about flesh, and the ones we're going to really pin in on is going to be found is found in uh, Galatians five, but also Romans eight, because the Bible says in Romans eight, chapter verse four, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. And, and so this is one that, uh, well, I'm going to give you three. Galatians 5, 16, I'll give you four. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians 5, 25, that says, um, come back here. If we live in the Spirit, 
let us also walk in the spirit. All right. So Galatians 5 and Romans 8 um, are, are two of those. And then, and then there's one more or two different uh, books where you can find stuff. And there's one more that I want to key in on because this, this will also just kind of help us. Let me see. Where is this one, Lord? Hmm. What do I want to say? Basically, that we will. Okay. All right. Let me stop then. Okay, I'll do that first. All right. The Bible says, "Walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh," which tells you that there's a, a, a um, there's a difference between the way one mind works and the other mind works. Your flesh has a mind. It's based upon your, your will, your emotions. Um, it's based upon how you interact, how you learned, the things that, that we, we absorb, you know? Like you know, you know how to comport yourself in the world you didn't do a great job, maybe, even whether, regardless of how successful you were. Um, but you found that there was something that was missing. It was the spirit part of you that was yearning to come to life. And so when somebody told you about Yeshua, or you learned whatever you learned, or you might have heard about him all the time, um, you came into a thing where you moved into salvation. And I've talked about this before. And how, if you attributed it to your emotions, to your feelings, how you felt, because you just felt so different, you felt so clean, you felt so new, you felt um, whatever you felt, then you may have, um, because you were so used to attaching an emotion to every event, whether you realize it or not, you and I, we always attach an emotion connected an emotion with a song. Oh, I love this song, I always feel so good. Or I play these songs because I, you know, when I'm feeling sad, these are the songs that I play. Um, we would do this type of stuff, and so we lived, we live emotionally. We watch certain movies that make us cry, we listen to certain songs, we'll have uh, conversations with people, certain people just kind of rub us the wrong way, and everything that people say they leave with the flesh. They even, you know, when you encounter individuals in church and stuff, it's like, well, I don't feel like I'm very loved. I don't feel this. I don't feel that. And so their entire walk is connected to how they feel. I don't feel God. I don't feel like he loves me. It seems because of the way my life is going, God must not love me because um, if he did, then things should be different because your expectations are after the satisfaction of feeling a certain way. I go, things are great with God. I listen to people because things are going well in their life. All of their little circumstances are great. Then things, then God, then God is a, you know, thumbs up, a all right with them. But when things are not, then they're out of there. God and I are not really getting along very well. Have you ever heard anybody say that? Or maybe you've said it. It's like, well, no, we're, we're not really doing well. It's like, well, um, where are you getting that from? Because I'm not feeling like he's hearing me. I'm not feeling this and that. There's nothing wrong with having emotions. There's nothing wrong with having feelings. But the connection with God, we've, we've gone over this before, the connection with God is to know him after the spirit. 
because he is spirit. And when the Bible says in Genesis that he made man in his own image and after his likeness, Adam communicated with God by spirit. That's why he died. That's what died was the spirit man. The man died to relationship with God. His physical body did not die for years afterwards. He didn't know how. It had never experienced death before. And that's why they were living these hundreds and hundreds of years because they had to learn how to die. The body had to learn how to cease to be. Because when the eternal spirit was first put in it, it was for that, for eternity. This is the suit that you walk in. But the spirit died to the things of God and man could no longer be one with God in that oneness of communication with him. And so what was left? How you feel? I hid from you because I was afraid. I felt fear. I'd never felt fear before. I, I don't even know how I know how to articulate it. But I know, um, I know that I'm, I'm not comfortable when you're around. And, and sometimes I, I, I've heard music played that was so based upon a, 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 a consecration that when I was in sin, I couldn't listen to the music. The, the, this was years ago, I remember this. I was, I was really struggling. I didn't want to obey, frankly. And I was struggling to justify my reasons for staying in sin, basically. And I was, somebody had given me this tape. It's like, this is such a wonderful thing to worship with. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, great. Because, you know, I'm in sin, but I still like God a lot. I just didn't want to, I didn't want to, I didn't even think of what I was doing as sin. It's just something I wanted to do that God just didn't seem to understand. So, I put this music on, and suddenly about halfway, it was beautiful. I couldn't take it. I literally couldn't take it. Something in the inside of me was absolutely, you know, you say, well, maybe the music was the wrong spirit. No, I was of the wrong spirit. And this music was designed, the person that said they had fasted for a long period of time to, to, to pray before, the, and the Lord gave them what to do. And so this music he had given, the Holy Spirit had given them to usher you into his presence. Well, my sinful nature the sin that I was consciously holding on to, though I wasn't calling it sin. It was God not understanding me. <laughs> Prohibited me from being able to walk in the things with him. Okay, Because my flesh... I can go to a, a service or a concert or whatever it is, and they're playing music that my flesh absolutely loves. You're popping your fingers, you're moving around, you're doing all this other kind of stuff because it's a good time. But it's like God is saying, you're having a good time, but I'm not included. This is not about me at all. You're like, well, Lord, they were singing all the songs about you and this and the other, and I was really enjoying it. He's like, but I wasn't in it. You never brought me into it. When you turned that music on, you turned it on to change your mood. You didn't turn it on to worship me. There's a difference. If he's not included in the conversation before the start of the thing, then why would you, you know, it's like, well, he doesn't like to come second. And to be honest, neither do any of us. Neither do any of us. We look at other people that it looks like they've been promoted into something and we feel like well well what about me why why what about me um you know 
So those are the things that, that, that you kind of want to look at. So what I'm saying is that you have to pay attention to how you process the things that go on in your mind. Are you communicating, connecting with God and with other people according to the flesh um, or after the spirit? Okay, because it's going to make a difference in your relationship. This is going to go someplace, and it's going to be really cool. And I need that scripture. What is that scripture? No, not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Do not know each other after the flesh. Uh, Frederick, can you find that for me, please? Okay, so... Um, because I, I, I want to use that one too. But these are, the, the, these are the main ones right now. That we have to know each other in a way, or Carlita, know each other in a way that allows God to be in it. We'll come back. We're going to reintroduce ourselves to that statement. Um, to have him in it, you, got, you have to know he's in it because it's starting from the spirit. When you can bring yourself, and I've seen, you, nobody should be under condemnation for this because you know you do it or have done it. When you can bring yourself to come into a church and you're still ticked off about whatever happened and you sit there for two hours or whatever it is with a sad, pathetic look on your face, draining and making everybody else have to fight in order to push past the darkness that you want to entertain. You know you're not, you are of the wrong spirit. You know you're not of God. And you sit there, you may sit there stewing or throwing a temper tantrum, you know, inside pouting because things have not gone your way, not liking the people, being upset with what something somebody said, being upset with somebody, something somebody from the outside said, and you just happened to bring it here. You didn't bring your best person. Would you agree with that? And it's, all, it's happened, it's happened, okay? Um, I was known for it in the church we came out of, brother. As you know, you, they could tell the sun would rise and fall with the, the, the size of the cloud that I was carrying, whether it was the cloud of doom, and every once in a while, sunshine would break through, and, and I would be happy. But I dealt with everything according to my emotions. Everything I encountered, my relationships uh, with God and with people, the way I dealt with people at work, everything was stemming, uh, stemmed upon how I felt. They, I don't like the way they make me feel. I feel nervous or this around this person. People will tell you, I feel intimidated around you. I, I feel this, I feel that. Those are the feelings that are leading you away from growth and maturity. They're all steeped in pride believe it or not. Yeah. Um, we can go to Psalm, I think Psalm 31 is where we want to go. And I'll get the other scripture when it's necessary. Psalm 31, I was talking uh, in my Bible study today, and we were talking about this a bit, and we were looking at what the Lord was saying, that David said, in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. Now, he was building a relationship with God that was so different from the time of Moses because David related to, to God. He wanted to worship him. He wanted to know him. He wanted to sing songs to him. He wanted to do all of these different things. Thank you, Frederick. And so he did. And so David introduced, remember, worship. Uh, Moses 
had the rituals, the sacrifices, the Levitical, all of the different things, bring a burnt offering for this, do. Not that this wasn't, it wasn't terrible, but you know, Moses had a relationship with God. He, he actually liked being in the presence of God. He, it was a good thing for him. I gotta go up to the mountain. I have to spend 40 days. He liked it better than, than eating. I'm going to go spend time in the presence. Joshua wasn't complaining either as his assistant. To go and to see and to observe there's something real to the God of Israel. He's not just a nebulous mist someplace. This is a real person, a real personality. And so Joshua got to observe it when Moses would get into this presence and the radiance of the glory of God would come and even when the 70 got a chance to see the crystal sea and this, this and the, the sapphire and all these things and it, when they got to come along and see what Moses was experiencing then for them the God of the heavens and the God of Israel was more he wasn't an idol they couldn't build a statue and call it Elohim, or call it the, uh, um, um, the, the I am. They could not say this is Yahweh, Jehovah. It couldn't be because there was enough of the tangible evidence of him that surpassed what they had seen in Egypt. And they had seen the workings of the demons, the magicians, through the things they encountered in, Israel, in Egypt. They knew about this because remember now they were it was actually a part of their culture Joseph was long gone they were not hearing though there, there was the telling of the stories of the God of Israel of this God of our fathers of Abraham of Isaac of Jacob there was a knowing of this but Joseph had also become steeped in the ways of the Pharaoh. That was a part of what he had to do in his job description, which is why it tells you that he would consult, you know, with his um, divination. But then he also had this relationship with God. He was known as the Hebrew person, and he had just, a, he had enough of that, that he's like, I know I'm in Egypt, but I'm fighting to not let Egypt get in me. And then the day when my people who have come to this land but the day that you leave take me with you because even though he was promoted to the highest place that he could possibly be under the Pharaoh he was not free to leave he had to get permission to go bury his father and what did they do they sent the guards along to make sure that he came back he wasn't free he had a high position but he wasn't free. Freedom is to go where you will, you understand, without needing uh, the king in that case. You know, you can pick up and move to San Francisco or Southern California or another state, ostensibly. But he couldn't do that, and it wasn't because he was beholden to God. It was because he was beholden to man. But he still fought that part of him that loved, that, that said, no, I know who my God is. I don't want the thing from the divination. I want the word of the Lord. He wanted the blessing of God over his sons. He didn't want the divination. He wanted, he wanted the pure 
in a place where he was very contaminated. And so years later now, the, Egypt, the, the Egyptians and the, and the Hebrews are connecting. You know, they're interacting. They know each other. And then when the evil, or the mean Pharaoh, if you will, rose up and said, there's more of them than there are of us, and we better put them under subjection. They didn't know how to fight. They had become so comfortable in the land where they were. And they had become used to, conformed to the ways of the Egyptians. Even though they kept separate. Goshen kept them separate. That was their, that was, what Joseph did was speak with the wisdom of God. Say that you were shepherds. Say that this is what you do. Because if you don't do that, you're going to truly be incorporated into the life of, this, of, of the Egyptians. But as long as you say that this is what you do for a living, they will put you in a separate place. And they will kind of stay away from you because they're going to think that you're less than they are. But you want them to think that while you're in this place. Because what he knew that they did not realize is that Joseph knew is that when you come here, you're not free anymore. They may not have called you slaves. You're benevolent servants. But you have, you have, you know, you, you're not going to be able to get out of here until your God delivers you. You have come to a place that that's where you are. All right? And so here it is. They've cried out after 400 plus years. They, someone remembers or they've come across a scroll or something has to have happened. And the tribes are, are there. So there is a remembrance of this. And they say, we can cry out to our God to save us. And he has, created, he has already caused the deliverer to be in their midst, you know, or the seed for the deliverer to come. And so here it is that this man who has been raised in the very heart of the governmental procedures, Moses needed ceremony and he needed pomp and circumstance. He needed these loftier ways of God. And he needed power. He needed to see the tangible power of God. Because coming from Egypt with their ten gods and their this and that, he has seen some things. So to see the, the, the miracle thing with the, with the snake and the burning bush and this and that and the other, that supernatural desire was there for him. He had a hunger for it, which is why when Moshe, Moses, was in the presence of God, he was satisfied and he no longer had a need to worship at an idol because he had seen something that far surpassed even what experience he and Aaron had experienced before the Pharaoh and the Pharaoh's magicians. Are you with me? See, God had proven himself to Moses because Moses needed that. But David didn't. David saw the power of God as he sang, as he worshiped. David saw the power of God in his ability to overcome a lion and a bear. David saw the power of God in the covenant because he was a worshiper, because he chose to believe in this great one. David was out there by himself. 
and he knew, you know, when he's tending to the, to the as again, as a shepherd, as he's tending to the flocks, as he's doing the things that he's doing, and there was a need, that's when he wrote, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm the shepherd of these sheep, but the Lord is my shepherd. And because I've seen provision in a time when I could want after things, David's worship of God was akin to one that was actually spiritually alive. But he wasn't. His spirit was not alive. And yet, that tangible prophetic presence and that sense of this person that is calling to him led him to worship God outside of rituals, apart from the ceremony, into a place where God became the most important person to him. Doesn't mean he didn't screw up, because he surely did. But he wrote things that basically said, I need you. I want you to create in me a clean heart. I sense your holiness, and I know that I'm not going to be able to approach you without this. Because remember, he's dead spiritually. He is not. He doesn't have the Holy Spirit inside. He doesn't have the blood of Jesus on the inside of him. He doesn't have the protection that we have by the indwelling presence of God. He didn't have that. But what he did have was a hunger to know this invisible God to the degree that he got to see things well beyond his time. And he would compose songs, and he was an actual musician. So when he wrote these songs and did these things with the other musicians, and, and he would um, sing these songs and, and, and this worship. It came from the closest thing to a pure heart he could have. Inspiration of the Holy Spirit from the outside, not from the inside. But it opened portals and opportunities for him as a mortal to see the things of God that, that he sang about, he wrote about. And he began to regard God as a confidant a confidant, as somebody that I'm hurting and I'm on, I, you avenge me of my enemies. You cut them off, these that have cursed against me. Going through the persecution with his own boss, the king. And he one moment, Saul likes me, the next he is flipped completely and he's throwing spears at me. I'm on the run from him. First he says he loves me as a son and then he's doing this, you know. All of these different things. And he started living more in his flesh than he did in his spirit, which is why he made covenant with Jonathan, why certain things David moved away from the way that he was walking in to live as an ordinary guy. Even when he, then when he had the mighty men, if you saw though in times of, tri um, of uh, trial, David would revert. You know what? I know who to call. When, when the, the, the wives and the families were stolen and his mighty men were, were ready to turn on him. And he said, no, before you do, I've got to go to my God. I, I need to talk to him. And, and what did he do? He influenced them. And he said, no, I, I know how to help make you wealthy, but I also want to help make you strong as much as you can be inwardly. It's not in us. It's in him. I've never put trust in my own sword. It's in him. You see and so those were the connections. And so here you can look at David and you can realize this one is saying, I don't want to live without you. Several of them said, if you don't go, I don't want to go. If you're not going to be there, I don't want to be there. 
I don't want to go anywhere that you're not. I don't want to do anything. I don't even want to live here if you're not with me. Right? Now I'm going to come back to the conversation about the flesh. Because we, as the children of God, will say, I don't, if you're not here, I don't want to be here. I wouldn't want to live in this earth without him. Not now that I know him. I would hate to be separated from the Lord. Because there's that death again, that feeling of death on the inside. I can't be without you for a moment. I, you are my oxygen. I absolutely need you. You're my heartbeat. You are my breath. I can't, I can't do this. And in a moment of despair, discouragement, the sadness, the things that are taking place in this world, some of us have said things of that sort. I just, you know, I'm so grateful. We say I'm grateful to God. I couldn't live without him. Now, if you say that from the spirit, you are making a connection that says, I stay with you. I am with you. Even while I'm in this earth, I will represent you. I will say the things that you want said. But if you relate to God only in your flesh, thinking of him in your mind, not looking at him in his word and seeing that his word is his conversation with you, you could put yourself in a situation where your flesh dominates your thoughts to the degree, and this has happened to people, which is why I'm bringing this up right now, where thoughts of suicide don't seem so bad because of the way that the world is. Or if I died, I guess it wouldn't be, I wouldn't really be missed. People have said stupid things like that. Dull of understanding, they don't understand. That's the courtship of a spirit of death that wants entrance into your life to start causing things to be destroyed. Are you all with me where I'm going with this? And I want to come against that tonight because there are a number of individuals in the body of Yeshua that have lived not after the things of God, not after the things of the spirit, but after the flesh. You still live there, I know, because you, you actually deal with this world according to the standards of the world. You still deal with things in life conformed to the ways of the world. That's where we get these skin color divides. This is why you will hear people from a pulpit to the back row talking about relating to things in this world according to the color of the house that their spirit lives in. Or the gender. Or the financial situation. Or whatever else it is. Something that the world attributes to status and standard. And of the, the most, the ultimate importance. But that the Bible does not. That the spirit of the Lord does not. Because when you are spirit, you have every color and, and no color. Your spirit looks like Jesus. It looks like the spirit of the living God. It's, it, it's in case it's connected as one in him. And so that's why we say, no, you don't get to be, you, you are black or you're white or you're whatever you are. You are that. But you don't live from that understanding. You live from the understanding of the word of God. This is where people stumble. And this is how those death spirits, those suicide spirits, those 
disaster spirits, those calamities start to occur in their lives over and over again because they're relating to God according to why did you make me black or white or male or female or American or this thing or why is it that you, my life is so horrible because I am, and they identify themselves with the world according to the flesh and not to God according to the spirit. Are you with me? Do you have a question? Okay. All right. You see this? This is just, it's one of the things that, that I, I catch in my own mind, and I've, I've talked about this before. When the, when the it, it's not the degree. How do I say that, sir? Let's look at the scripture. He says in verse 2, chapter 31 of Psalm, Psalm 31, Bow down your ear to me, deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock for a house of defense to save me. For you are my rock, my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net that they have laid privily for me, for you, my strength. Into your hand. Now these are also things, Jesus said this, I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. I have hated them that regard lying vanities, but I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy, for you have considered my trouble. You have known my soul in adversities. Now that scripture right there, verse 7, Psalm 31, verse 7, you have known my soul in adversities. You know my mind, you know my will, you know my emotions, you know my life my person, my breath, you know my inner being, you know my appetites, because this is today that don't give him that. We don't give him that. You give him access to the parts of you that you want, and you may give him access to um, the things that you want for him, from him, but to give him access to your soul. In our day, because of Jesus, is to give him the power to help you change the way that you think. How hard is it to give up being a victim of a life that you could actually exercise authority over? How hard is that? And each individual has to answer that question for him or herself. We can say, well, according to the word of God, because the helper is in you, that it should be easy for you to do. But we already know that that's not so. Because we see people struggling with something that Jesus has already won. A victory that is theirs for the taking. But we don't take it. And I'm going to go someplace really fun with this. It, it, it kind of sounds, well it sounds like what it sounds like. It's really very good. Okay, I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy. For you have considered my trouble, and you, which does not mean he's looked at it and said, well, let me think about what you're going through. And, you know, he's seen it. You have a remedy for it. You are, you have a plan that is working in my life to bring me out of it. Because, you see why David never feared not being delivered? It's because he kept running to God. 
David always ran to God. That was his first thing to do. Now he got, when he got bored, when he got mad, when he wasn't doing other stuff, then he, of course he messed up. But David never doubted that God would deliver him. That's why he even said when they were all, when he sinned and things were going bad on the, th the threshing floor, when he numbered the people, he said, you know, I think it was when he numbered, let me come into your hands. Don't put me at the mercy of man. I'd rather you deal with me because you, I trust you. I mean, come on, think about this. This man did not have the abiding presence of the Lord, but he knew. I can trust you not to utterly destroy me. If I fall into your hands, it will be well with me. If I fall into the hands of man, it's going to be fickle and it could be bad. But if, if I throw myself upon your mercy, who he said that he is, and that his character is what it is him, and that he cannot deny himself, and, and, and it's his passion and his love to deliver us, not to leave us, in a mess. Why is it so hard for God's own people to believe that he's good? And again, that's a question each person has to, you have to do your own self-examination and find out why you willfully refuse, which is the thing that caused the Israelites to perish in the desert because they refused to believe in the goodness of God. I feel almost like I'm doing a, um, an entreaty or a plea on behalf of the God of heaven to tell his people to believe him. But we've got to hear this. And we have to, this is when you can start to change the way you think. It's really a great key to being able to walk in a change of mind. When you are thoroughly convinced not only that God is good, but that he is good to you. And that he is always good to you. Because he is always good. That the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus and the word of God were given to you. So that he can continue to express his pleasure in your life. And that any hard time you experience that with God, there is a way to escape because he's going to show you the way out. And he never leaves you in it by yourself. And that all these feelings that you have that he's abandoned you and he's forgotten you and he doesn't care about you are because you were so used to the Egypt that you were raised in. Okay? We're going someplace, but I'll give you an opportunity if you have... I don't want comments tonight. I want questions because we're, we because there is a, a, a destination that we're headed. So if you have questions, please please bring them forward. All right, because right now is not the moment to tell the comparison. We still have to make the point. So I pray that that's clear. Okay. All right. So here he says in verse eight, "You have not shut me up into the hand of the enemy." You have set my feet in a large room. You've moved me into a place where the enemy can't get me, is what he's saying. Have mercy upon me, O Lord. And in some of these writings, they'll also tell you that the way that it was translated, that they left out certain things, and they added other things. So one of the things is when he says, like, have mercy upon me, O Lord, he's saying, I know that you have mercy upon me, O Lord. 
He said, for I'm in trouble. My eye is consumed with grief, my soul and my belly. So my seat, the, all of my emotions, because that's what the belly is talking about there. All of my emotions are caught in a turmoil. Everything that I am experiencing, my mind is not focused. And I am experiencing the gamut of human emotions right now. Do you notice that in this place where David is disclosing this to God, that what he is not doing is feeling that you won't understand what I'm saying or you will condemn me because I have feelings. Neither do I condemn you. When I'm talking about our flesh, I'm not talking about it's bad to feel. And I'm not saying it's bad to have Emotions. If it were, we wouldn't have been given them in the first place. But we're going to find out something about what we have them for. All right. When they've been redeemed. That's probably what I, I, that's a better way for me to say it. Many times people live in the, uh, in emotions that have not been redeemed. They're the same old ones. They're the same old ones. Okay. All right. So. He says, for my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of mine iniquity and my bones are consumed. So in other words, God, I got a situation. <laughs> I was repro a reproach among all my enemies, but especially among my neighbors. And a fear to mine acquaintances that they did not see me without, they that did see me without or outside ran from me. I am forgotten as a dead man out of mind. I am like a broken vessel. I mean, I have heard people express this kind of stuff in the 21st century. <laughs> nobody cares. Nobody loves me. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. You know, it's all that same guy. He's like, uh, listen to my story. For I have heard the slander of many. See, the things that people say about me. They talk about me. Fear on every side, which includes his. While they took counsel together against me and they devised to take away my life. I, I know a man that sits in the White House that could say things like that. But then there's verse 14. But I trusted in you, O Lord. And I said, you are my God. I'm not serving Baal. I'm not serving Moloch. I'm not serving the little Dagon. I'm not serving any of them. You are my God. And nobody gets to change that testimony. That's what I'm saying. They say, well, you, you need to bow your knee to the, to, the, to the altar of sickness. No. You need to bow your knee to the altar of deficiency of mind. No. You have to bow. You know, this is what is in you or upon you and within your life. And you're going to have to bow to poverty. I won't. Yeah, that's got to be your God. No, I have a God. The God of the, who created the heavens and the earth. He is my God. And I'm not going to take on another one. Especially not one of these. Okay. <laughs> Many times, or my times are in your hand. My whole life is in your hand. That word times speaks to... My experiences, my fortunes, every occasion of my life, my usual time, and every event in, the, in my time. 
I'm not going to waste it, he said. I put it all in your hands. You will deliver me from the hand of my enemies, and you will deliver me from them that persecute me. I don't have anybody else to trust, and I don't need anybody else because I've got you. Now, if I didn't have God, then I need a lot of people. And the strength of the many is not going to be greater than the strength of God. You see? And so this is what he's saying. And it's not, and here's, here's a stupid thing that happens. God and me alone. It's just me and God. And I want to say to you, what he said to the prophet, I've got like 7,000 others that haven't bowed their knee. It's not just you and me. And when you think it is, it's because you're in rebellion. You're in self-pity. You're back in your stoop. And you need to come out of it. Anytime you buy, it's just me. It's just me and God. It's not true. It's a lie. Well, no, nobody seems to care. See, that's your feelings and emotions that are speaking and you're following them. This is how we're able to start taking the word of God and walking in the spirit. It's like, you're just being so argumentative because you're not letting me express myself. I'm hearing Satan express through you. I'm not hearing you. And so, yeah, I'm absolutely prone to reject it. Because I know that if you belong to God, and we're not bringing your salvation into question in that sense, if you really belong to God, then you need to speak for him. And if you don't speak for him, you need to shut up until you can. And that's what I have to say to me. So you just heard one of my own self-prophetic, you know, prophesy to yourself. Shut up if you're not going to speak for God. I, I don't want to hear a thing that you feel. I want you to say what he said. But I don't feel what he said. Nobody asked you to. Get that. Nobody has ever asked you to feel joy. Or to feel faith. I don't feel any faith. Well, neither do I. I don't think I ever do. Doesn't stop me from having it. Are you catching it? We're actually allowing our emotions or the satanic uh, version to be expressed. Our emotions are meant to express the heart of God. We're meant to express what he feels. We're meant to express who he is. That's why we were made for joy, even if we don't feel like we have any. You do have it. Well, I don't feel like I have any faith, but the Bible said that you were given the measure of faith. You're just not using it. You know, it's kind of like when you have a new bottle of syrup and you have an old bottle of syrup, maple syrup, and it's really good syrup. And the fresh bottle is right there for the using, but there's still just the tiniest little residue in the, other, in the bottle of the old one. And for whatever reason, you feel compelled to get everything out of it before you open the other one. <laughs> It's like, dude, put water in that and shake it up and clean it or pour it in a, a jar if you need to and drink it if that's what you feel like you need to do. But otherwise, why are you focused on what you're running out of when you've got a refill that has a fresh taste to it? And you have another one in the cabinet 
and you'll never run out. Because as soon as you pull one, it's replenished. Whatever you have or use, you can't use it up. Because God is a replenisher. It's the last that I have. That's what a woman said, but she said it to a prophet. And he said, no, it's not. Use it as seed, and it will multiply. If you eat it, it will be all that you have. If you sow it, it will be the beginnings of much. She made him a cake, a little corn cake. He ate it. She couldn't run out because she sowed a seed into a prophet of God. And when she did that, it opened up the portal of replenishment. Because when she gave it to him, it was as if she gave it to God. And once you give it to God, what does he say? I'll replenish. I'll repay. I'll restore. I'll replenish. I'll give it to you again. I'll keep bringing it back to you. What you put in my hand, do you know, to be honest, it was the same spirit principle that Jesus used when he fed the multitudes. Put the little in the hands of God, and then the multiplication happens. Because you put God first. And that's what she did, and that's what he did, and that's what we do. If you've ever noticed, sometimes if you give an offering and you get a return before, almost before the ink is dried on, 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 the, on the, or the spit is dried on the, on the envelope or whatever, right? It's before you do that, you go back and get a ding, and you look, and your account says somebody just quick paid you. It's like what? That's happened to me. And then there's other things you like. You look and is there anything? Is there a dime, a dollar? Have you seen any of my money anywhere? Because. I used to say, well, one I gave, typically because that one was like, oh, I don't want to do this. I was feeling whatever. I was giving it out of my feelings. And the other ones I released in faith. Now, faith might have just been expressed in joy. I get to tithe. I get to do this. This is so exciting. I saw myself giving this and doing this and, and so forth. And so I was excited. And other stuff, it's like, oh, shoot, i got to get something in the offering. Well, that offering didn't give me anything. It's like a... Oh, man, it's offering time. i got to do something. I can't just let these people sit here and see me not have anything. Well, you don't get anything back, really, from that because you know, you got to go back and say, uh, <clears throat> might I readdress those moments when I gave into the offering, but I really didn't have a heart for it? Can we, in the spirit, go, hee, and do this part over. I've already released it, but I, I, I actually I didn't release it. I threw it in there, but I haven't released it yet. I would like to now release this seed that I was not thinking about when I just threw it in there. Yeah, you can do that. Okay, good. Let's do that. You know. Okay. Now, before we do that, in the name of Jesus, I speak to every individual that has been harboring despair, sadness, depression feeling condemned or overrun and overwhelmed by the political situation, by the social situations, and by, your, by anything and everything that has been transpiring that has been so dark or depressing in this world. You who have felt maybe you should just end it. You who have felt maybe you would be better off dead or people would be better off without you. I rebuke those lies or rather I challenge those lies with the truth in the name of Jesus, that you were made for a purpose, 
that you are fearfully and wonderfully made and called of God, and he's not finished with you. I speak clarity into your minds. I speak to the spirit of death and the spirit of suicide. And I cancel your assignments over God's people and over those men and women and boys and girls that God is calling into the kingdom, that they will hear his voice and will not follow the voice of a stranger. I speak to those that have been, to the lives of those that have been earmarked by sickness, sadness, uh, disease, murder, death of any kind where there is a demonic assignment operating and forming against you. And I speak that the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus cuts a pathway and it creates a shield and a protection around you that enables angels that are assigned to you to do the job that they were hindered from doing. We speak protection and an overturning of a death sentence in your life right now. Those of you that have operated in fear of an invisible virus and have been hyped up according to media or any other thing and you have believed a lie, not that the thing has existed and that people have caught it, but that you would die from it. We rebuke these things and we speak and say that we tear that veil off of you now. In the name of Jesus, you shall not die, but you shall live. And as it goes into your spirit, and if the word of God is released with the perfect love that he has for you that cast out all fear. To as many as will receive this, be it unto you this night, this moment, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. So those are some of the things you're seeing, that this can be the conversation that your flesh will twist a spirit truth to turn it in a way that's convenient to you to continue to be a victim or to continue to be a martyr or all kinds of really ridiculous things in your own life. It will cause you to reflect upon you in a prideful manner. What do I mean by that? Well, let's keep going and I'll show you something. Uh, we'll look at something that we saw today. Verse 16 says, Make your face to shine upon your servant. And save me for your mercy's sake. Let me not be ashamed, O Lord, for I have called upon you. Let the wicked be ashamed. <laughs> Don't let me be ashamed. Let the wicked be ashamed. And let them be silent in the grave. See what I'm saying? That's exactly what we just really released. Let the lying lips be put to silence, which speak grievous things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. That's a good one to launch out in your prayer time. Okay. Oh, how great your goodness, which you have laid up for them that fear you. You have wrought for them that trust. You have worked these out for them that trust in you before the sons of men. You shall hide them in the secret of your presence. Here it is, verse 20. You will hide us in the secret of your presence from the pride of man. You shall keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Now the pride here is an interesting word. The pride of man here is referring to expressions. Um, it's referring to, hold on, I looked at the wrong thing, sorry. Hold up. Okay, there it is. It's talking about snares. The snares of man, the pride. Okay, this is why I when I when people who pray with on, on teams that I'm a part of and they say, well, you know, you ask, did you do you have something? No, I don't have anything. That they got caught in their mind. 
They got caught into thinking about themselves, how they were going to sound, what others would think, all the judgments of others. The Bible says fear of a man is a snare. It's pride. It's a prideful thinking of putting yourself before what God wants to do. It's everybody's talking about me. And like that matters. You see, it matters to you. But you and what you're called to do matters more, should matter more. It's putting, it's actually, every time we do that, we are failing to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Well, I, I just feel like I should just give up. God didn't tell you that. See, there's no place in his word where he says, give up on me. Give up the things that hinder you. Get rid of those, but don't give up on God. The Bible tells us to trust him. And yet, when you're called to do, I was just so nervous, I just couldn't, I just couldn't. You know, that gets old. It gets old. Time after time after time after time, and you always put you first. Isn't that something? You always put you first. Well, no, I wasn't putting myself first. I just felt, you know, and I, I mean, I catch you. I, 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 I catch you sometimes. Well, you know, they're better than me. Stop it. They're not you, so they can't be better than you. Can you see it? Yes. Well, I just feel sorry for myself, and I'm sitting here in a corner playing the world's um, smallest <laughs> violin, you know, and, and it's like, um, did you want applause for that? Because you won't get it. What you will get is called out. Come out of that. Why? Why, if he, when he is so good, do you make Satan matter so much? It's almost like people are running around with a Satan's life matters. He's not life. He's death. And I'm saying to us, there's a better conversation to be had. So we've got into all this. So here it is. Verse 20 again, Psalm 31. Let You will hide them in the secret of your presence. You see, when David, this is what David did most of the time. I am so caught up in your presence that I can worship you and forget and, and let everything else in my life, even the calamities, take second place to you. Because as soon as I cry out to you, I know that everything's going to be all right. Maybe you worry because you don't give it to God. You run it by him, but you don't give it to him. You know, it's almost like, if you, I'm sure many of you have been in this. I just want to ask your opinion about something. I just want to tell me what you think about this. And after they tell you, nah, that's not going to work for me. And they just kind of just push your, put, push your little hand right up your nose, you know, and just say, eh, nah, it's okay. You've given God's advice. And they go, nah, that's not what I was looking for. And that's what I think we do to him sometimes. It's like, oh, Lord, I want you to protect me and this and that and the other. Tell, give me wisdom. And you hear something like sow a seed or do this. No, that's not what I was looking for. That's really not the answer I wanted. That's not what I wanted, Jesus. I wanted you to just solve it. I didn't want you to work with me. And yet David said, God has broken through my enemies by my hand, like the breaking forth of waters. And I'm going to say to you um, that the reason that much of this happens is because those are the moments. Let's go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Thank you, Frederick Johnson. And he says in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 16, 
Henceforth, from this point on, we don't know any man after the flesh. Though we have known Christ after the flesh, we don't know him that way anymore. So you and I, in those moments of it's not working, God didn't hear me, he's failed, he's not showing up, I don't know what happened, I called him, but he didn't come. Uh, you know him after the flesh and not after the spirit. Your spirit can trust him, but your mind, your body, your emotions, not necessarily so. Not until it's trained by the word of God. Your spirit trains your body. Once your spirit has been trained by the word. Your flesh rules your body. Your soul, your, your emotions rule your body when you're unteachable. And you don't submit. Okay, now we get to get into the gravy. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, henceforth, you know, we know man after the flesh. Though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth we don't know him that way anymore. That's what he said. We don't know him that way anymore. Anymore, no more, no more, no more, no more. We don't know him that way. And um, so I'm saying that to say, so if your salvation experience, your life, everything that your God experience has all been based upon, Frederick, this is green tea. Um, it has all been based, he asked me last week, what was in your cup? So I decided to tell him this week, it's green tea. Thank you, Crystal. Okay. Um, if the, everything that you have known has been by feeling, I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like driving to San Jose. I don't feel like getting up and answering the door when somebody is called to ask for help. I don't feel this. You will be condemned by your feelings because they accuse you all the time. They didn't obey you, God, because they didn't feel like it. They didn't feel like you were coming through, so they didn't do it. They felt like everybody was against them, so they didn't obey you. You know, you said to do this, but they felt that, that others would be mad at them if they did. That's why people struggle with money, because they think of money as a flesh thing. They don't realize it's actually a spiritual tool. That's a Sunday conversation, but there you go. It's, it's to be used to, to wage war and to advance in spirit. And to bring it from the spirit realm into the natural realm. That's where it's not how it is. The the physical that we have is supposed to be like the food that was submitted to feed the multitude, submitted to him, so that he can multiply it. And feed many. Because it's the same principle in everything. Seek first the kingdom of God. Give it to God first. Let him bless it. And then watch him multiply it. That's a simple financial and physical. Oh, I feel. Well, the Bible says to give your body as a living sacrifice to God. Present yourself to him. Don't knock it till you tried it. This <coughs> Thank you. I wanted it. Jesus is the one person that's not going to say, oh, don't be putting that nasty stuff on me. <laughs> right? He'll say, thank you. Now let me give you this. Because you never give anything to God without God giving you something in return. He can't give you a greater sickness because he doesn't have any. As soon as he takes it from you, it dies. Because he touched it. 
The substance that you give that's in faith, it has to grow because he touched it. Yeah. Some of y'all, you're so deep, you're shallow. You know, for a non-Californian, I do really well with the Southern stuff. <laughs> All right, so here's what we were talking about. We were talking about these things. We were talking, we thus far, had a conversation about words that are spoken in the atmosphere. That if you are dealing in the flesh, I'll simplify it this way. If you think solely in the flesh, if every reaction that you have, you get easily offended because your flesh is leading, then what you just happened is that the words that were spoken have been twisted by a demonic spirit. And since you're used to listening to that spirit, you easily become offended. Because it's never going to tell you anything good about you or about anybody else. So when you listen with self-condemnation and you listen to, well, if this is all true, then why is it that I still have a problem? You still have a problem because you're not, because you're holding it. You know, it's like, I got this cup in my hand. I need to be free from this cup that I'm holding. Why is this cup still in my hand? Can you tell me why? Why? Why is this cup still in my hand? Anybody looking at that that just tuned in, what, is she stupid? <laughs> because you're holding it. Put it down. But if I put it down, it won't be in my hand. Right. Well, what do you think would happen if you actually let go of this junk that keeps kicking your tail? Because you're holding it. It's that simple. But people do have a propensity for making it complicated. It's not complicated. It's the devil. Put him back under your feet where he belongs and be led by the Spirit of God. That's the Holy Spirit solution. So words that are spoken in the atmosphere, if you are listening from the flesh, if you are being led by the flesh, if you know people after the flesh, she always says these things about me. That's just the way that they are. I can't stand that about them. If you always, all and you know yourself after the flesh, then you're not prophesying to yourself. I guarantee you, when you start prophesying to yourself and you start and you start in your flesh, you're going to start with some goofy stuff and you're going to boo-hoo and cry in the midst of it and, and, and because you're not going to want to hear the truth, so you're going to tell yourself something else. How do I know? Because this is what people do. You're so stupid. You're so dumb. I can't say this is what I hate. I hate your hair. I hate the way you look. Look at your body. This is terrible. This is. I mean, you prophesy to yourself all the time. So those of you, I don't know how to do it. I don't think I'd be able to. Well, just think about the stuff that you have been saying and stop saying it. <laughs> See, go ahead, just nod your head. Yeah, that's true. I've been prophesying about myself my whole life. Yes. Speaking the words of the devil. Uh huh. Speaking the words of dead people. Well, my dad told me I was stupid. Is he still here? No. Is it possible he could be? I mean, are you stupid? No. Well, then why do you keep attributing? Why do you keep building up again a lie? Well, I was taught to do this. Were you abused in that time? Yes. Well, why do you still automatically snap back to the abuse? I was trained. Well, untrained. 
That comes under the law of sin and death. But Christ, the spirit of the uh, of the law of uh, of Christ, the spirit of Christ, the spirit, the law of the life of uh, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you free from what Daddy them said, or what the ex spouse said, or the mean kids on the school campus, or the cousins in the you know y'all harbored this mess forever. Stop. Well, I'm still processing it. Why? In the end, you know what you'll be? Sucked of blood, you know? All these spiders and, and things that are sucking out your life force because you're focusing on death when you're free. Okay? That's that conversation. So words that are spoken into the atmosphere are going to be received on whichever level you choose to catch them. Catch them by the spirit of God, not by the flesh. Read what God says without reading this Bible looking for where he will condemn you or disqualify you. Some people, I can tell by the questions, they're always raising questions based upon, well, you know, legally speaking, God would kick this person out or do this. It's like, you don't want to be free. And I don't want to play your game. You don't want to be free. Because you are free. You just have to let it kick in, you see. And when it kicks in, it kicks other stuff out. It's awesome. All right. So let's go for fun. All right. <laughs> well, I've been having fun. No questions? No questions. Okay, good. Good, actually, because I want to talk about something else. Relationships. Yeah. Cause that's what I talk about, and I realize that, and I, I'm, I'm still in those places of discovery. Um, my friends um, are are recognizing that because we've we've had little tips and things, but it's like, hey, I'm actually going to express the truth that I know now. And sometimes when I express truth, it's like a discovery for me about things that I do like and things I don't like. Things that I'm like, you know, it's actually okay if people get mad. Um. I just can't get mad back because I then I can't if they get if their flesh comes at me I've got to let spirit respond to them okay so here's a fun question take out a little piece of paper if you want to or your little notes thing on your phone um, you're not gonna share this necessarily at this time but we're gonna just kind of consider so uh, in the conversations today we talked about um, one of the things we talked about is godly marriage. We talked about relationship. Every time, everything I talk about connects to a relationship. And so we were talking about relationships and what, what they are and what they're not. So I asked this question of a few people. What do most, let's, let's, let's put this in quotations, ready? Christians think about when they think about, I'm talking, uh, not even just single Christians, married Christians, what do they think about when they think about being married? What are some of the things that people want when they're thinking about marriage? What, what do you think it is kind of things? And so write it down. And you can speak it out too if you want to. But Kristen, why don't you go ahead and speak out again and tell me some of the things you said. Come up to the mic, my love, and um, share. And I, I'm bringing Crystal into this because Crystal and I, have been crystallizing our um, our friendship, and we we've had she she shared something very interesting about sometimes that very thing words spoken in the atmosphere.
can be twisted if, it, if it's being taken by flesh. That's not the part we're going to talk about right now. But things that people come up a little closer, though, so that they can hear you. Okay. So think, I, I think so. They'll let us know. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, so things that people are uh, looking for, some of it in relationships. Companionship. Keep going. Companionship. Companionship, okay. Um, they're looking for someone that they could actually grow with and um, someone that, at, you know, they have not the same, maybe not the same exact vision, but someone they can, someone to assist them and they can assist in their walk in. Their okay, someone to grow well. with. Yeah. Them. Okay, are they looking for love? Looking for love? Yes, um, looking to have love in their marriages? Oh, absolutely. Okay, all right. That's a, that's a must. Okay, so anybody write that down? Love? Y'all looking for love in it? I'd like everybody to participate. I want some love. Mm -hmm. <laughs> huh? I, said, I want some love. No. Yeah, you want some love. I'm just kidding. But I do like, I'm Okay, so love. They're looking for companionship. They're looking for, what, what was the other thing? Um, I said someone they can partner with. Somebody yeah, that they can partner with? Mm -hmm. Okay. What else? Is that, anybody have any of that on your list? Understanding. Understanding. <laughs> that from the lady on the front yeah. row, okay. Oh, Understanding. Communion. Communion, okay. Communication? communication. Okay, communication, oh, okay. okay. Anything else? Partnership and purpose. Partnership and purpose. Y'all can write these things in too, okay. <laughs> Anything else? I don't know what looking for. Or actually, they are looking for it. They want, um, Intimacy. I can't really hear Intimacy. You. Intimacy. Okay. Intimacy. All right. Anything else? Support. Support. Oh, that's a good Okay. Support. Sounds like a real good list here. It's not going to be condemned. Don't worry about it. I'm not saying you have to be slammed. Okay. I, I, I need to put that in there. Sure. You have anything else? Because people will tell you they look for the, these things in varying degrees. And you were talking about if they were younger versus older. Right. Well, if you were younger, I would think that maybe um, you're look also looking, if you want to start a family, you're looking for um, somebody that you can, you know, raise your children with, have children with, and raise them with. Um, from a younger, I'm thinking from a younger perspective, I, that's what I was Okay. You know, I have. All right. But as you, I, I think for a more mature couple, they will probably be looking for maybe not so much children, but um, just. Yourself. I said, I said, maybe. It's not everyone. <laughs> um, when I say more mature, I'm thinking past childbearing years. Um, mm -hmm. That's what I'm thinking in my mind. Um, so. Yeah, someone you can travel with, someone you can just live your life with. Okay, because you made that expression. Yeah. Live your life with. And then somebody wrote online, um, they're looking for Jesus in them. Well, that's okay. not one. Yeah, I'm sorry, that goes without No, no, no. Me. You don't actually have to qualify. No, no, no. I don't want you to qualify it. Okay. It's not being judged. None of this is being judged. This is a, que it's a serious question mm -hmm. being asked to see what kind of things. And sometimes... It actually, these type of questions help you to know what's on the inside of you. Mm -hmm. Because you will find yourself expressing things that you're thinking, you know, that actually does matter to me. 
or some, you will say something people, you know, I never thought about it, but that actually does matter to me as well, okay? And so, yes? Something that I think is really important also that um, the belief system, because when, um, just from experience, when you are with someone that um, carries your same values in your belief systems, um, it, it makes a difference. Okay, all right, so belief system as well. Okay, I think those are great. Yes. Those are absolutely great. All right. So we were talking about that, but I think this is so cute, and this is when I know I'm in a Christian circle. Because other things that people will talk about is they want somebody to have sex with. No, it's not always intimacy. Oh, well, that's true. <laughs> Sometimes it's just sex. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Some people, they're like, I'm not talking intimacy, I just want sex. That's, I'm not saying that personally, so if you came in on that, do not use that as a soundbite. <laughs> I, I was quoting other people, that was not my statement. And I, I stand behind that statement, that was not my statement. Okay. Thank you. And then they were also talk, they'll talk about, they, they, they talk about they want somebody to eat food with. <laughs> Because not all married people eat together. Okay? They do not. I'll call you later, sir. Okay. Um, they don't all eat together or they don't like the same kinds of food. Somebody else, they say, I want to be with somebody that looks good to me, is aesthetically pleasing to my sight. I want, to, I want them looking good coming toward me and I want them looking good walking away. You don't find this on anybody's list? Because I sure hear about it. Okay, and then they'll talk about the communication and all the other things that you spoke of, all right? And so what we look at then is like, okay, all those things aside, what's the deepest longing? And yes, looking for Jesus, having that, that faith, uh, shared, they say shared faith or belief system, right? But that shared faith and belief system can come apart. Why? <clears throat> I look at the present climate and we say nothing else. When one starts believing more of this yes. and starts walking different from maybe the denominational beliefs or the beliefs that they've long held about skin tones and placement and social uh, ideas, when one or they, or they start realizing that God speaks differently from the way the world does, home can become a very hostile place. Now, in those cases, when that happens, here's one of the things that people don't understand. Somebody's going to have to deal with it in the spirit. And you're going to have to learn how to protect your relationship by the spirit. One is going to have to speak what God says and let the spouse know, I won't fight you, but I will fight for you. The one that chooses, which one does it? The one that chooses to side with God. And there can be a lot of accusations. And your flesh will say, I don't even like them anymore anyway, they say. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been pleased with them for a long time anyway. So why not just let this thing happen and we can just call it quits, forget it. This could be my out. And the Holy Spirit says, but it's not. It's my in. That's when you know whether you're in the kingdom or not. <laughs> Do you understand? Because you can fight, you know, you have to fight for 
And you have to kind of remind yourselves, we're in this together because of Jesus, not because of politics, not because of skin color, not because of whatever else it is. I want my marriage back, and I want the world out of it. You see what I mean? Now, you can do it in a lovey-dovey way, because I guarantee you, if you do it uh, like this, you can just have another fight. It's like, you know what, babe, I love you very much, but we're not, I'm not going to have that conversation with you. I'd rather talk about the blueness of your eyes, or the pinkness of your cheeks, or the purple of your, <laughs> that black eye I was thinking about giving you. <laughs> I'm sorry I gave that to you, you know, last year, in my mind, I never hit you. Okay, um, you're going to have to, I only got nine minutes, so I got to go fast with this, okay? Um, what you're wanting to do is do what the Spirit of the Lord wants to hit you to do. Let him in. You're going to have to be the door that he comes in. Because let me tell you something. When we talk about the things we want in marriage and I ask you, what do you want the most? You'll say, oh, I want this or I want that. But y'all said it in here. What you really want is somebody that speaks the same language that you do, that you can have a conversation with for the rest of your time in the earth. You can have sex in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, but you can't have it all day. Y'all can eat in the morning, in the afternoon, and in the evening, but you can't do it all day and all night. As good as it all is, and I'm an advocate for both in marriage, well, I like food anyway, but okay, but do you understand what I'm saying? You can, do life together and go here on vacation and spend money there and be a cute couple together or be coupled, you know, and, and you can have pictures taken with people and you can do all that. But all the time you're still having a, a conversation one with the other because what you're looking for is the one that you're to be one with. And the conversation that you're going to have is the conversation that God wants to have in you and through you to one another. This is what opens up your supernatural, the supernatural realm. You, most people, they fall because they're thinking that they need to be loved. You're already loved. Yes, but I need that person to love me. Why do you need that person to love you? And I'm not talking about being in a hostile relationship. Why is your neediness taking the forefront in a relationship? Because if you need them to love you, you'll never believe that they love you. Because they'll never be able to prove to you that they love you. Because they're never going to do what you want the way you want it every single time. At some point, you know, a guy's got to go to the bathroom without just standing there looking at you with hearts in his eyes. And he doesn't want you to follow him. A woman's got to handle herself without an audience. And it doesn't mean that she doesn't just love your sweet little self. You can't do anything to prove to people that you love them. Only thing you can do is love them. God cannot do. I mean, what else is he supposed to do? John 3.16 covers it. I showed you that I love you. That may not be enough for you, yeah, but, you know, my name wasn't written there. I mean, he says the world. And, and I like to be loved as an individual. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I haven't seen a single translation of the Bible where my name was put on the page. And even when they preach that, they're preaching it to everybody, not just me. So your neediness is a form of pride. I'm not telling you that you're an awful person. I'm trying to say that's where you're being clipped, handicapped, inhibited, why you're not growing. You're desiring to continue the conversation that you get to have with the Holy Spirit through the person that you spend the rest of your life with. Because that's the best conversation. It will be spirit. There will be flesh. There will be all of that other stuff because I don't think anybody just wants to have spiritual sex. Nor do you just want the spiritual food. You do want and need the spiritual food. And the intimacy, which we refer to in this world as sex. But the intercourse, which is the conversation. You see, sexual intercourse is two bodies talking. Again, you want conversation. Divinely inspired and given and granted. And in order to have it, the kingdom has to come before you do. So I've opened something. And I've got to end now. <laughs> but are you catching? And we can come back and talk about this because I'll be talking from my living room next week. So, you know, I always have fun with that and you can send questions. But is it making sense? It answers, it will answer the longing in your heart to be understood. Your flesh is not understandable. Oh my gosh, are you kidding? Just being yourself has got to be exhausting sometimes. But your spirit that gets to be in the presence of the Lord and then release that into you, you will have heaven on earth. Now I'm speaking this because some of you who are married and you're not, it's like, well, it ain't heaven to us. Well, it can be if you, if you, the one that's saying that, if you're actually willing to submit to God and let him show you what he can do with your whole heart and your whole self, he can turn that thing around quick. You got to know each other after the spirit and not after the flesh. You know that man. You know that woman. I know what they're like. I know what they're going to say. I know this. I know that. You don't know anything about the spirit because you're not able to see them from the eyes that look at them shining and smiling and loving at all times, which is the eyes of God. You're not willing to give them a second chance because they blew it with you, you see. Even when you've given them second, third, 19th, 120th, 20 years worth of chances. But from God's perspective, you're blessed, those of you that are married in Christ, you're blessed to be able to begin to have the best conversation with the Holy Spirit speaking through you to that person and from that person to you, and then the two of you speaking to the world and changing the environment around you. And for those of you that are waiting, you're blessed now to start having those conversations and letting those conversations which are full of witty, amazing, exciting, fun, wonderful things, and quit tripping over the stuff in life that is causing you to fall over and stumble. 
what you look like, how much money, um, uh, are you forgiven? You see, those things are stumbling blocks when they become the forefront of your thinking instead of enjoying the life, the eternal life that you've been given to live in the earth. I do want to continue the conversation, but for tonight we're finished. And so uh, we're going to receive tithes and offerings and all that kind of cool stuff. And we get to give and we get to continue on. I pray that I've provoked you to continue the conversation with the Holy Spirit for yourself. And everything that I've said that you're thinking, I don't even know what she's talking about, ask him to talk to you about you and prophesy. Ask the Lord to show you how amazing you are without all of the judgments that you give to it. In other words, I'm a soft-spoken person. I'm a this, I'm a that. And I'm going to delight in not only the fact that God said it, but in manifesting as that. Daily, I'm his delight. You know, that's what it said about the husband. I'm daily his delight. Well, how much more I'm daily God's delight. And it's a delight to be me. I would pray that you learn to appreciate who you are and let go of who you've been trying to be. Because you see, anything you try to be, it's because it's not authentic. But the amazing you, wow, what a beautiful sight you are. So we're going to receive the tithes and offerings and the gifts and all of those things. If you're giving online, I think the information should be on, on the screen. Um, Sir Frederick has probably sent it. We're going to worship the Lord. I'm thanking God for every single one of you. We're in the Thanksgiving season, and I do give thanks to him for you all and for the remedies and the solutions and the overturnings and the turning overs that he does. I thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, we uh, Go ahead and you can bring the tithes and so forth up. Um, I know that there's things that are happening. I, I don't know what, I, I know what the color the purple means to me, but it seems to mean something else in, in the state. Uh, if you do choose to come and join us, we do have the gloves, the mask, we take your temperature, we don't hug you, we wave to you because we do not socially distance ourselves, but we, we will honor the, uh, the respect, the physical distance. We're at 1914 Trades on Boulevard. If you feel uh, preferred to join us online, then do it by Periscope. Go to the website and click on the link. And understand that we pray for you and we love you tremendously. I want what God wants for you. A happy, a blessed life. A supernatural kingdom life. I pray for your marriages. I pray that spouses come to that understanding one to another. I pray for those that are waiting for their mate that you won't have to wait long and that you will appreciate what you have before you get it and appreciate who you were made to be so that you can be the best gift to your spouse and you can be gifts to one another and gifts to the world because that's who we are. I release the love of God into you, the perfect love of God that, that, that casts out all fear and torment. And we speak that these are the things that, that are released in you that you won't run after the things of the world, but you'll run, you'll, you'll not even run, you'll receive the things of God and let them start to flourish in you so that they can be released from you, through you, into the earth so that you are not only blessed, but you are a blessing being expressed everywhere you go. So thank you so much for joining us. We'll pray if you're giving those. 
and uh, whatever you've released that we're praying over them, uh, we're releasing them and we'll do that and then we're gonna tell you good night because I'm three minutes over my normal time. Oh. Go ahead. Go ahead. Father, we thank you and we praise you for this night tonight. Thank you for everything that you brought forward. Thank you for the gifts. We we offer up these offerings, these gifts of love, these ties before your throne tonight. We thank you that they're received with the same spirit that they were given, a heart of love, a heart of thanksgiving, and a heart of gratitude. I thank you, Father God, for a big smile. Smiling back on everyone here and those that are on online. Bless every person, bless their home, and bless the places from which they gave, Father God. Expand them and cause them to abound in every area of their lives physically, spiritually, emotionally, and financially, relationally. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we bless you. We invite you. To, we'll see you on Sunday at 9.45 and 11.45 for Biblical Solutions for Life. And we bless you with God's astounding love. Thank you for being a part of tonight's Kingdom Conversation. Good night.